I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, It is going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? As we use the lectionary, as we've mentioned before, it's a three-year process, selections, four scriptures every Sunday that we share with Episcopalians and Presbyterians. And I mentioned this just the other week. Mostly it is our tradition to choose two scriptures of the four. And generally speaking, on most Sundays, they're all standalone. You know, they deal with similar themes, but stand alone as we seek to understand the scripture more deeply. Other Sundays, they tend to weave, and they have an interdependency on one another. This is one of those Sundays. And so on this Sunday, I chose the gospel passage to lift up especially, and that's because it's an area of the gospel, a sharing of the image of Christ, that we generally like to deny, ignore, or pretend is just not there at all. It's that side of Jesus that definitely calls us to action. It's that side of Jesus that shakes up the world as we know it and wants to turn it upside down on its head. And we see that side of Jesus throughout the New Testament, and yet over and over again, we tend to want to deny and ignore and stay away from that image of Jesus as a world changer and a life mover, right? Um, we are called, then by also Paul today, uh, the scripture was from the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, letter to the Hebrews, and also the first two chapters of the book of 12, of the chapter 12. And what he says there is he's real clear, real clear, that it is, in a sense, by great faith and action. It is by an elevated attitude or an attitude with altitude that we can abound in the kind of love and hope that Paul calls us to be a part of. Paul calls us to abound in love and hope. And so today, we'll be looking at what that means. Uh, we could put the introduction up anytime. Thank you. Um, here we are. 
I know I see it on the faces of many of the people here. Either you're experiencing this yourself, you have experienced in the past, or perhaps you have grandchildren experiencing it now. We are in the middle of the back-to-school rush. You got that? It's like a row of hulking linemen on a professional football team. The season is down and set, poised to plow over us with all of its demands, distractions, details, dilemmas, delights, and duties. Say that five times real quick, huh? We're at that time on that back-to-school, believe it or not, for merchants, it's one of those make-it-or-break-it times of the year. You know, for many merchants out there, that back-to-school buying rush is similar to two or three of the other major holidays a year in terms of their big sale season. And many of them are in a make-it-or-break-it mode at this time of year. In fact, the more exhausted and overworked they become, they think the better their business is doing. Amen? Uh, For teachers, and I see some of you out there, it's the challenge of keeping a gaggle of fidgety children focused on their schoolwork while they're still trying to get over summer break. Amen? God bless you, teachers. You are in our prayers. Amen. Now, for the musicians, music teachers, directors, It's a time for arranging frantic rehearsals. I mean, the school year is just beginning. But as it just begins, you realize that clock is ticking. And those musical people have to begin to start those special programs, lining them out, and even getting a rehearsal schedule several months in advance. For children, it's deciding what you need to put on your list. What new clothes do you need, or perhaps that you want, and those other supplies and details that you absolutely have to have to succeed in school, even if they're a little excessive? Can I get an amen? (laughs) Question is, is, are you prepared for all this? Are you? Is your master list ready with everything you need to do over the next month. Wait a minute. Before you start scrabbling down your schedules, your agendas, and your calendars, I suggest that every one of us should begin our list with the same item. At whatever age, Whether or not we have children in school or grandchildren in school, we are all still in school. Amen? And we all, beginning a season in our lives, at all times, that on the very front of our calendar should be that altitude attitude that Paul advises us we must abound In love, we must abound in steadfast love and hope. That's number one on our list. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you see all the frazzles around you at this change in time of year, and while we're making our list 
and adjusting our schedules, we need to remember the first and most important thing. We are to abound in hope and love. That's who we are. So how is it that we abound? The scripture is very clear on what we need to do. It says, whatever the nature of our busyness or our busyness, there is only one thing we must all put on our prepare for back to school at all ages, at all times in our life, and that is to abound. And how do we abound? We abound as we're going back to school. How do we abound in the love and hope? We abound through the teachings of Scripture particularly of Jesus, that calls us to, if we are going to abound in love, then we must be able to rebound, redound, and resound. Do you like that? It's a good way to remember this. Rebound, redound, resound. So if we're going to hear the words of Scripture today, then the first thing we need to do, number one, written on our heartboards. As we begin this new year school, written on our heartboards, in blood rather than chalk, in love rather than chalk, we write the words rebound. We are called to rebound. Over and over again in the scripture, we are called to rebound. Now, how many of you out there are familiar with the game of basketball? All right, there's a handful. All right, in basketball, you know the basic principles, though, right? You take a rather large ball, you throw it through a hoop that's connected to a backboard. If, for some reason, a person misses the shot, we are called to rebound. That means to grab it. That means to do something with it. Whichever team rebounds most successfully controls the ball and therefore controls the game. That's what rebounding is about. Rebounders take whatever comes their way, hurls themselves at the ball, takes possession of it for the sake of the team. The question then would be for you, how good of a rebounder are you? Not in the game of basketball, but in the practice of Christian life. How are you doing at the rebounding? I mean, considering the world in which we live at this time, where it's harder to see some of the hope and love around us, difficult. In fact, at times, those of us who seek to abound in love and hope are criticized, ostracized, and penalized because of our stance. Nevertheless, to rebound is our challenge when we're clobbered with hate. Now, we're not talking about being a doormat. We're not talking about life without boundaries. But we're talking about a kind of love and clarity 
that comes through this theory and practice of Christian faith. We abound. And especially, we abound when that surly, sour-faced, part-time retail clerk that's having a bad day and we're unusually polite and courteous and the employee doesn't even notice it. Can you abound? You hear what I'm saying? Can you abound when we are clobbered with hate, with clarity and Christian love? When we are jabbed with jealousy, can we rebound with Christian clarity and love? When we are overcome and shoved by pettiness, when we are floored by dishonesty and hypocrisy, and when we are plowed over by prejudice, can we still rebound Christian clarity and genuine, authentic love of Christ? You hear what I'm saying? Do you abound in that love so much that you can rebound it? Secondly today, and a fun word that I really had to look for, redound. How many of you heard the word redound? I, you know, a couple of old English novels or maybe a few sermons of Wesley from 250 years ago. I think I saw redound somewhere. But as I came across redound is this second aspect that we're taught by Scripture in terms of living out our faith and abounding in our faith and love. Redound was a perfect word. Here is its definition. Redound, to have a particular consequence, usually something good or positive. Don't you like that? Redound. To have a particular consequence, meaning you're taking an action and doing so, attempting something good or positive. We are called to redound. You see, it's not enough just to rebound. Now you got to do something. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're watching the game of basketball and somebody rebounds the ball and just stands there on the court, they are not going to win the game. Can I get an amen? No, to be successful in our Christian living in life, we have to redound. Redounding love is the kind of love that takes action in this world. We rebound, then we redound. That means to take action for a positive result. To abound... In hope and love means that we must step forward into that line of faith. That line of faith that today Paul talked about so eloquently, naming all of these incredible figures that come through the history of the Old Testament and bridging into the new of all the incredible sacrifices that have been made so that this faith is alive. Today, we stand on the shoulders of giants. 
we are here by the blessing of those who are willing to redound, willing to sacrifice. And in Paul's wonderful passage in Hebrews 11, he talks about all the incredible successes of Old Testament leaders. But then he goes down to also the times when they suffered greatly, when they suffered persecution, when they were persecuted precisely because of their faith and their sense of community, when they were ostracized, even tortured and killed. And yet, by faith, by redounding faith, they continued in their march. Because redounding faith and to follow Christ, as we say it today in the gospel, is not always this gentle, easy thing. Christ's voice is world-transforming. And it requires something of us. I was looking at old uh, Snoopy cartoons, and for some of you, you may not be aware that Charles Schultz, the one who created the, you know, Charlie Brown and Peanuts and Snoopy, he's an active Methodist layperson in our conference. And he came out of the church, I think it was Petaluma, um, but in that area, and I forget exactly, but was a very active member in one of those churches for most of the year that he made his residence in Northern California. And he was active in the church so that the pastor could share that this layperson had a real deep commitment to our understanding of faith and practice. So therefore, what I'm trying to tell you is that when you read that cartoon article, you're going to get some good Methodist theology popping through. Amen? And in this one, we see Snoopy. And it's snowy, winter, night. And Snoopy's out by his doghouse. He's sitting there in the snow. As it comes down, he's shivering. Then in the next frame or so, you see him looking at the house. And the house has light coming from the windows. And you can sense and see the warmth. And you see Snoopy looking and longing for it. And then Lucy, you know how she is. She opens the back door, stands on the back porch, and she loudly proclaims. And I want to get this right. She says, Go in peace, be warmed and filled. And then she turned and went back into the house and slammed the door. Obviously, in the next frame, you see a very confused Snoopy looking toward the house, shivering and hungry and utterly baffled. Do I need to explain that illustration? Let me have a resounding, not an amen, but how about a no? St. Francis of Assisi said something so profound. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. 
See, to make known the love of Christ takes more than words. It takes action. Lucy didn't share anything. Didn't share anything in her proclamation. She didn't share anything with the poor. She didn't share anything with shivering Snoopy. She did not have to sacrifice any of her time, her money, her space, her heart, her feeling, or her needs in order to make that speech. To make the love of Christ known genuinely. To proclaim that love to the word world accurately means we must redound in Christ's sacrificial love for us and model that for others. Last of all today, and thirdly, written on our heartboards at any stage of schooling in our life, on whatever level we are all still in school, the last of all is called, we are called to resound. Okay. We're called to rebound, redound, act on it, and then resound. The practice of our faith should have a resounding impact on who we are. It should have lasting impact. When it lives in memory beyond the normal length of its days, when it reverberates beyond space and even time, that's when we say something resounds in our life. And we've had those experiences, sometimes on a grand scale, resounding experiences in our lives. Sometimes that resounding experience can be a religious experience while you're worshiping God. Sometimes that resounding experience can be feeling the breath and blessings of God when a child is born or one gently full of faith passes. It makes us resound. It makes us reverberate. And without that going on in our lives, we're missing out on some of the most fundamental, important aspects of our faith. And that is the joy and experience of living it. J.P. Philip wrote in his book, Your God is Too Small. And in this book, it's really powerful in this one section, he challenges this identity we have of Jesus often on Sunday mornings of being mild. He said we preach the mild Jesus. He said too often in our parishes we preach this notion of being a nice person. Work your job. Pay your bills. Mow your lawn so you don't oppose your neighbor. Go to church on Sunday to be a good person. And to be mild. And Philip says to that, he goes, what kind of a person does that mildness conjure up? Certainly not the image of Christ. 
He said the image of Christ we like to deny, but he's a world changer, life mover, and earth shaker. He said, how could you use mild to describe a man who did not hesitate to challenge and expose the hypocrisies of the religious leaders of his day? A man who had such personality that he walked unscathed through a crowd of people who wanted to murder him. How could you call that of a man who was regarded by the authorities as a public danger? A man who could be moved to anger too. By anger, by the shameless exploitation of the temple or by smug, complacent orthodoxy. He was a man of such courage that he walked deliberately into the path that he knew would lead to his death, even though followers and friends told him not to go. What word to use for a personality whose challenge and strange attractiveness is still happening over 19 centuries later? It's because his message and person and spirit continues to have power. And we often neglect and deny and refuse to see it. It's world-changing, life-changing power. So I close today by saying, let's all go back to school, right? And we know when you're going back to school at any stage of your lives, you're real concerned about your schedule You're real concerned about all those items you need to succeed in your journey. Well, if you really want an item to succeed in your journey, abound in love and hope. And do so by being able to rebound that love, redound that love, and to resound it. Thus ends the message. Thanks be to God. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon you always. God bless you. Go in peace.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First United Methodist Church in Turlock, California. This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. For more information about our church, visit www.fumcturlock.org or call the church at 209-668-3000. Visitors are always welcome. And now, may the peace of the Lord dwell in your hearts this day, and may God bless you.